Now, do the young adults go to different classes, or do you want to stay? You can do what you want to do. <laughs> All right. mm. Dear Heavenly Father, we're so thankful we can come together and worship you. And God, we just uh, give you honor and glory. And we do truly uh Pray for those that are traveling and vacations to keep them safe, Lord, and that they would have an enjoyable time. So we do thank you that we have the opportunity to have that time off together. I pray you would just speak to us this morning. And truly, uh, this is a message for us. Truly, is a message you want to speak to our hearts and that we can be aware of what you're doing in this world and with us. And So I pray you just anoint me that I'd speak the things of the Spirit, and I pray each heart would be open to receive of the Spirit. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, just fall on us this morning. You know, just fill us and that we can just uh, grasp the depths of what you're doing with us and in the world. So we praise your holy name in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're going to look at, uh, turn to the book of Amos. Amos. Amos chapter 7. We're going to look at Amos chapter 7. While you're turning there... I, I tell you that I, I have a word that I really enjoy in Amos that you don't see in the rest of the Bible. And it said that Amos was a herdsman, a herdsman. Most of the time you see the people, they're shepherds, and David was a shepherd, and I'm sure Amos. But Amos was a herdsman. Herdsman means cattle tender. So he worked cattle. He had cattle. Now, I just really, I spent much of my young life working cattle. And so I just think, I appreciate it. Amos worked cattle also. So herdsman is cattle tender. So I just want that you can walk away this morning with that and know the depth of the spiritual <laughs> encouragement that Amos was a cattle tender. But let's look here at Amos. And you, the title of the message, you kind of focus our thoughts. It's not the famous. Not the famous is the title. And um, anyway, look at Amos chapter 7 verse 14 through 15. I read this. It says, Then Amos answered and said to Amaziah, and Amos is saying, I was no prophet, nor prophet's son, but I was a herdsman and a dresser of sycamore trees. But the Lord took me from following the flock, and the Lord said to me, Go prophesy to my people Israel. Now, what struck me about this is, as I was preparing for this uh, this week, is has come to mind over the years that I have really, Linda and I, really privileged that we have come across some people that have uh, really we would call strong, powerful men and women of the Lord. I mean, they were really, you, you know, they were just something different was going on with them than was going on with a lot of people. They just had an incredible walk with the Lord. And just had an amazing of how the Lord used them and spoke through them and just did through them. And over the years, three of them in particular, three of them in particular that have gone to be with the Lord, except one, but um, had, a, had a sincere conviction, belief, that there was going to be a great move of God before Jesus returned. Everybody talks about well, Jesus returned, we want Jesus returned, and hallelujah. But they were so 
had a strong conviction that before Jesus returned, there was going to be a powerful, large move of God, a worldwide move. And I remember talking to each of them, and it coming up, especially one in particular, and and he was he said, "Oh, you will just see it'll just move," you know. And I'm like, "Oh my gosh," <laughs> you know, just to hear him talk about it, and the Holy Spirit would would move, and he and actually in his early years had you know witness and God move in such a way. So but you have these three guys that personally that I you know that's not world known or anything like that, but that that I that I had the opportunity to know that were firmly convinced that, that was going to happen before the Lord re returned. Now what they also believe too, these gentlemen, they believe that this latter-day move of God, this latter-day move of God before Jesus came back, would not be would not be among the well-known and famous. You know, we can watch TV or something. Well, we hope this actor they would you know be a witness. He said that's not that's not what people he's going to use. I mean, he he said it's not going to be. A, um, they they different don't know each other, but they said it's. It's not going to be the famous and well-known. It's going to be like a grass movement, Holy Spirit-empowered move. It's a grass movement, you know, people. It's going to move, you know, around the world, a variety of churches, and it's going to come from grassroots. It's going to be a grassroots movement. Now, um, so that's, you know, these are... What people have told me stuck with me, you know, just kind of stirred my heart. And what we have here really is, as reading this, you kind of have a picture of this, and that's what we're going to look at yeah, this morning. So, is there anything in Scripture that kind of backs up what these guys thought? None of them ever showed, none of the three ever showed me a verse. Like, this is it. They just said, the Lord just laid it on their heart, we believe that this is going to happen. And so as I was reading, looking at Amos here, and I thought, well, that's kind of what happened with Amos, you know, with, with Amos. And we look at Amos, he's an Old Testament prophet, you know, big-name prophet. But he didn't start out that way. I mean, he, he didn't start out that way at all. God, he only got that way because God touched him. So I look at Amos as an example of what these guys were talking about that God's going to move through, <laughs> not the famous, but he's going through his grassroots. He's going to move through his people when he does make this uh, move in the world. Now, so what we have here is in Amos, we look at, we see Amos was chosen to carry the message to the nation. Okay, so God says, okay, I want to talk to Israel, and I want somebody to do it, so I'm going to pick Amos. He's going to take the thing to the rulers, of the nation. And then we see that Amos was not famous. He wasn't famous at all. And nor did he claim to be famous. He just he said right up, I'm not a prophet, not the son of a prophet. No, I'm, you know. And he basically said, um, not only I'm not a prophet, I'm a farmer. I'm just a farmer. I take care of the sheep, I take care of the cattle, and the sycamore trees. I don't know what he's doing with the sycamore trees, but he's taking care of them. And so that was his, that, that was who he was, he, he was, that was his work, and he was in, you know, biblical times here for Israel, Amos, one of, Amos was one of the least 
the least of society. He lived in a very rural area, and God chose him. God said, I'm going to move, and I'm going to choose you. <laughs> in the farm, rural area, nobody knows you. Nobody knows you. Now, and you certainly get that when we uh, read through Amos. There's one part in Amos that I can't, makes me funny. This, this guy is the same guy who is a priest. He says, nobody asked you to come here. <laughs> He's like, this is the king's house. We didn't ask you to come here. Go home. Just go home. You know, we don't want you here. Um, so, again, he was not, well, he was not well known. Now, so, so we had this picture. It says, well, that is kind of what when God moves, he pulled out who he wanted to, and he's going to carry the message. It wasn't the person. It was the message. And the power was because of God, not the person. There's no confusion there. there there's no credentials there. So as, we, uh, so as we look at this, and we'll jump forward, and in principle here, looking at the principle here, we see the same thing in the New Testament. Now, not, you've heard people say it and talk about it before, but we see that Jesus purposely did not choose the well-known and the famous. He did not. I mean, anybody, any biblical scholar, look at the 12 he picked and go, these guys were not the cream of the crop. They just weren't, you know, and this Jesus handpicked each one of them. And, and so, so you say, well, wh why? You know, I mean, you, you, I mean, I ask, well, why? He, that's not why he chose, you know. He said, I'm going to build a team. I'm going to build a football team, and I'm going to get the 11 players that are less likely to make anybody else's team on my team. You go, well, why would you do that? You know, there, there's no logic behind that. And, and we see this in for the disciples. And, of course, we all know Peter and John, well-known disciples today, you know. And, and just look at Acts chapter 4, verse 13. And it really identifies who these guys were and who the rulers and the people thought they were, you know, this is the impression the people of Israel had of these guys that Jesus picked, okay? But look at Acts chapter 4, verse 13. It says this. Now when, these are the rulers, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. I mean, you cannot believe I can't believe, you know, coming into my presence, you know. It's like this, these are not the people we meet with, you know. Common, uneducated men, and they were astonished. And then I love the last sentence here, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. It made them different, you know, uneducated, common. But they recognized they had been with Jesus. The Jewish leaders were astonished at John at Peter and John's boldness and they immediately and this is important this is the point I won't make here they were astonished at their boldness but they immediately saw that they were uneducated and common men on sight they knew who was here who these guys were okay not impressed but there's a big but here. At the same time as they looked at him and said, you know, uh, you know and this is me speaking, where they're almost saying, how dare you, <laughs> you know, waste our time? You know, I just, 
But at the same time, they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Now, Jesus was the issue going here, and he's been crucified, resurrected. And so here's these guys they're not impressed with, but they all say they've been with Jesus. Now something's different. So they recognize something because they have been with Jesus. Now you're getting this process. Why didn't he pick the famous? They would have made a very much greater grandiose entrance at this time, but he didn't. They recognize it, but they had been with Jesus. Now, so what we see here is a picture, and we're thinking, how does God move? Well, I want to see God move. I want to see God do a lot of things. I have lots of suggestions for God. I mean, I really do have a whole bunch of them, you know, and he doesn't pay much attention to my suggestions. So, but I tend to have suggestions. But what we see here, we're, we're seeing something like, no, God's telling us something about how he moves. He's telling us something about how he works. And we see it with Amos, and now we see it with Peter and John. And there's other people, in fact, I really had to, I started, I had a whole list of people I was going to go through about the weak people he had picked. I, one of them was Gideon, which I chose not to pick. And it was funny, Gideon, Gideon makes an assessment of himself to God. He says, I am the least, I am the weakest. Wrong guy. I mean, he said, I'm the least and the weakest. And it's like, who's, who did God choose? Him, you know. I mean, and the biggest problem is like, no, I, you know, I'm the least in the week. And so we can go on. There's several others that uh, I always love what Moses said. I can't speak. God goes, who made man's mouth? I mean, it's just like, anyway, I see the frustration on God's part, you know, trying to get people to work with for him. But the thing of it is you see this. It's not the famous. It, it, it's not the famous. It's the least it's, it's the least that he always chooses. And, and so, again, what are you telling us, God, about what you did then? What are you telling us about what you're going to do? What are you telling us about what you're going to do? Now, so we see that it's typical. It's, you know, we see through the Scripture that God often chooses the least to carry his message or to let people know what he's going to do then we have the apostle paul come along the apostle paul comes along and he gives an evaluation of the church as a whole so and what the apostle paul says he comes into the church and so he gives them an assessment and an understanding of who they are is 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 a church this is new testament church he's talking in this case first corinthians they got all these miraculous gifts working, and he's trying to give them some boundaries. But then he addresses the people. And listen how he addresses the church. Uh, I don't have an overhead here, but you can just follow along. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 through 29. If you just follow along with me as I read it. And it says this. Paul's going. <laughs> For consider your calling, brothers and sisters, not many of you were wise according to the worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. 
God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is lowly and despised in the world, even those things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. I take the not and make them something. I take the are and bring them to nothing. He said, and he does this. He does this. Now he tells us, you ready? He does this. This is why. Verse 29. So that, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. No, that's the reason I picked the least. Because they won't boast in the presence of God. They'll boast about their presence with Jesus. But they won't boast about themselves. And so you go, well, now, that's interesting. And I think about these three gentlemen who never gave me any particular verses. He said, no, God's going to move. It's going to be grassroots. It's going to be worldwide. And it's going to be the power of the Holy Spirit moving. And no one's going to question what happens. Now, they all three said that. Everybody's going to know what's happened, you know. But it's going to be these grassroots people. Now, so we see this. God's you know, uh, mindset, God's way of moving in the earth, the way he moved in the early church, and you think, okay, God, what are you telling us? What, are you trying, what understanding are you trying to give us here? How are we to handle this? So it says here that God chooses the least. Okay, why? I'm helping you with rhetorical here. He chooses the least. Why? To shame the wise. All the smart people are going to go, doesn't make sense. Why them? Why them? See, because there's no reason for them other than Jesus. And when it's, he said only Jesus could do that with them. That's the reason. Because Jesus has come to be exalted. Not to exalt someone else. Not the people to exalt themselves before Jesus. Okay, so, and it's to shame the strong. And it, once you look at this, that's the other part, to shame, you pick the weak, to shame the strong. All these things are taking our focus off the world in which we are so embraced to and trying to be like and to achieve in and God's taking the very same thing that very thing and to prove to the world that's not what he's interested in it's not what he's interested in we're interested in that but he's not interested in that and he goes out of his way to pick the least to get his point across now so my goodness gracious. And, and it says right here, and he brings, and then he goes, there are, there are certain things that are, he just used they are, he's, and I'll bring the they are to nothing. I'm going to prove that what they have is not what I want, and I'm going to bring that to nothing. I'm going to overtly participate in bringing down what people are depending on what people are depending on. So you, you see that. And, and again, if you just put a period right there, you just put a period there, you go, okay, that's kind of a, you know, killjoy attitude about everything. You know, there's no joy in that. 
But then he puts the so that. And by the way, that so that, S-O-T-H-A-T, is in the original language. So that he's telling us why. This is the reason why. Now, this should impact our thinking in our life, how we function, and how we approach God. Because this is what God's doing, whether we agree with him or not. This is what he's doing. So the so that he hid, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. I'm here because of Jesus. And the disciples came before the Pharisees. They go, they've been before Jesus. Uncommon, uneducated, but they've been with Jesus. And that's what God wants everybody to see. All I see is these people have been with Jesus. The difference, mate, the difference God makes in the world is by people who have been with Jesus. Start solving a lot of things starts giving us a better understanding of what's going on around us and how he's going to work in this world. See, and I mean it's kind of humorous, but it's the truth. Not only does it give us insight why he chose us, <laughs> you know, I chose Wallace because he's really, really special. You know, he said, no, it's just weak and he's going to just blow people's minds and he tells them he came to Jesus and was a pastor. He said, they, they're going to be crazy because they're not going to believe it. See, that's why he chose me. That's the reason, you know, so you can't get too proud about that. And I told you that one story. I hate to get off on it, but it's just so funny, funny. And a guy called me one time, and this is years ago, and I've been out of high school 15, I was longer than that, 20 years. And I got a call on the phone and the is middle of the night and the guy said text he called me text well i knew that nobody in the world calls me text except a little place in west virginia where i grew up we moved there from texas to this day i go there to call me text and he was text so i thought okay this is a blast from the past and he go and this is just how he started out. i hadn't seen this guy since graduated high school text, that somebody told me you're a pastor is that right? I mean, not hello, how you do, how's the family? No, it was, somebody told me you're a pastor. Is that right? I said, that's right, I am. He goes, curse word, I just lost 20 bucks. That was our conversation. He like, blank, I just lost 20 bucks. I mean, that was the most bizarre thing this guy could ever imagine. You know, to be, see, <laughs> maybe that was my whole reason for being called in to the ministry is this guy would lose 20 bucks that might have been my purpose in life i don't know but what i'm saying it's so consistent with what paul's saying and uh but he's saying about all of us you know he he didn't pick us based on our credentials you know it's lack thereof he picked us on on our credentials uh, lack of credentials now so so we need to know that when we see god moving in this dark world why did he choose us i'm telling you you know i don't know what you think about yourself i'll just make sure he called you because you were the least he called you because you're coming to him would impact it would surprise others and impact him he chose you because at least then it also says well i want to see this move of god and this move of god is going to go through Hollywood, you know, this move of God is going to go through all world leaders. Are the, 
He never done he, God has never done that to date. Never. I'm saying never. He's never flown, you know, transformed all of Hollywood or actors or all what never. Okay? So why do we think he's going to do it now? But what has he done? He's transformed the least. The least. And the only thing the least had to offer was Jesus. So, <laughs> if my friends, you know, the people I looked up to, are, I see a great move of God going through the world. Who are they going to move among, biblically? The least. You're going to see the poor. You're going to see the least. You're going to see the not so well to do flow and flood to Christ. In their estimate, the next great move of God. Because that's how he works. That's how he's always worked. Now, I have to say at the time, because it's important to say this, there, there will be a few, there, there will be a few uh, that are truly intellectual giants, all right? And, you know, stature, what have you. And like, of course, like one was the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, by all estimation, was an intellectual giant. He was educated, Israel, Hebrew of Hebrews, he calls himself, you know. And so within the intellectual group of Israel, he was top notch, okay. So he was an intellectual giant, and he's the one that wrote this. And uh, so we know that there are people that will be one of the few, like Paul. There will be some of those. I knew a guy that actually was one of these, and he actually, and he says in humility, and he was talking about this section, and he says, you know, I realize I am one of the few. And he was, he's brilliant. I mean, he's like, man, he knew he's brilliant, you know, he's like, this fine, okay, I'm one of the few, but there's not many like me. <laughs> so, all right, you know, so, so, you know, there are some of the few that will be called, but the few that will be called the intellectual giants they're, they're, they're going to look different than what the world portrays them. And they're going to look like what Paul, how he portrayed himself, which is really fascinating when, when you look at what Paul said. Because Paul said, when, you know, as being one of the few, what Paul did, he, he basically counted all his earthly Achievements. Paul counted all his earthly achievements as, you may know what? The literal, I want the literal translation. All his achievements he counted as dung. I want to say the, you know, the crass way to make a point. But my wife is going, dear, <laughs> dung. But he had counted all his achievements as dung. That's what, and Paul said, all those things that I have achieved are dung, I count as dung to gain Christ. Now, that's how you recognize those people, okay? Because even though they are not of the least, these are the people that are not lifting themselves up based on their achievements. These are the people that are counting their achievements as dung so that they can represent Christ and achieve Christ. All right? 
That's how you recognize them. You don't recognize them because I have this and I've done this and I can help you do this. That's not. Those are not the people God's calling. It's just not. Never has been. Never has been. Paul says, I call, I call everything, I consider everything loss for Christ. Have you, have you ever wonder, you know, don't be too impressed with people's credentials. And don't be impressed with people's credentials when they're impressed with their credentials. <laughs> Amen? Okay? No, I mean, it, 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 it's just what the Bible says. And now, where am I going this? It's like, oh, God, where I'm going is it's like, well, this great move of God, what's it going to look like? Okay? And I think these gentlemen had a strong belief in it. And although they didn't show me any scripture, when I look at this, I think, well, there's principles here that you would come to that conclusion. You would come to that conclusion by what the scriptures have to say. Now, here we are. Here we are. And we are in a uh, uh, day like today, the world in which we live in. And, and it's, it really is um, good to understand our times, not to be weighed down by our times, but we need to kind of understand what's going on. And we kind of be, you know, we need to be ready for the move of God. Now, all through the scriptures, God says, be ready. Be re I mean, he says that often, you know. But when we look at this, you know, we should be ready with our eyes focusing on God, that God is going to move. We see everything falling apart. We go, no, we understand what's happening, and we're ready for what God does. We're not afraid, but we are ready. And so as we look around the world, we see, this is what we see around the world. Now, we see an overt dishonoring of God. Overt dishonoring of God. Overt dishonoring of Christianity. It, you, it's just all over in countries like, I mean, we're, we're not real happy uh, of the degrading comments we get here. But around the world, people are suffering persecution. Okay, Christians are being killed around the world. There's huge anti-God movement. There's an anti, I'm not going to say anti-God, there's an anti-Christian movement around the world, which is kind of stunning. We are, you know, talked about here and made fun of here, but we're far from being persecuted, okay? We get, people may not want to talk to us or stuff, and there's all sorts of tensions and, you know, like, like that going on but it's worse around the world so but we recognize it here we see it here this overt dishonoring of god i mean making fun of god i mean dishonoring but making fun of god and christians and in the process too also denying the word of god denying the word of god and i've said this before and i don't want to get hung up on it but i do want to make a point of you're dishonoring the word of god well how Every church you see with this little rainbow flag on their sign is dishonoring the Word of God. It, it, it's dishonoring the Word of God. You know, it's all love and inclusive. No, it's not. It's dishonoring the Word of God. And so, we, and, it's all, and the only reason I bring it up, God's telling us something. We don't go, oh, surprise, I never guessed this one. Well, you're not mad. You see it all around you, and you see evidence, and you see, you know, you can say anything, any place but the name of Jesus. 
you and, and you go, well, you know, we don't want to be too, you know, cause a lot of problems. And, you know, and it's like, no, it's dishonoring. It's dishonoring Christianity and work. So what I'm saying, we see it. So we're seeing this happening now. And I've never seen it as bad as this ever and his, historically, especially in, in this country. So we see this over dishonoring of God. Now I'll share something with you. Now, this God works in the world, okay? He's got control, it, okay? Amen. Amen. We don't know what's doing. Well, as he works through the world that dishonors him, he has a, a judgment on these people, a consequence on these people. And, and so that consequence, you know, there's a group of people, while at the same time, he, he speaks and protects the believers. So these things are happening at the same time, okay? We may not see it in everybody's next door, but we know that that's happening. And, and he, the Lord gives us a really insight here. The world denying the world denying God's word is a sign of God's judgment and which process it the sign of the world denying God's word is a sign of God's judgment see they're not just off base they're being judged. Now, what you look at, we'll go back to Amos. Amos 11. Amos chapter 8, verse 11. Amos 8, chapter 8, verse 11. Now, this, this is the farmer. Amos the farmer. This is his message. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will send a famine on the land not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord that's the famine the words not in the public discourse the word is not in the workplace the word is not in government there is a famine of hearing the word and it says and what, look at what God says. The days are coming when I will send the famine of not hearing the word. It is judgment falling on the nations. It is judgment falling on the workplace. It is judgment falling on whatever situation it is. And God has moved out of that. It's a judgment from God. It's not just evil falling away. It's a judgment from God. He, God, brings a famine hearing the word of God now no one person or nation can survive without the power and the guidance of the word of God any more than we can survive without bread and water so look at the thing he, what God is saying these people can't survive the nation can't survive the workplace can't survive these things can't survive without nourishment they cannot survive when they totally reject me and I pull back and give them a famine of hearing the word of God. It's not sustainable. Now, the reason I bring that, we all wonder, well, when, when, you know, it's, it's like, well, what, 
But what the world is doing is not sustainable. It's not sustainable. See? And so what we have is a church that, again, this, none of this does make any of us afraid. But what it is that we need to understand what's happening. We just need to know what's going on, okay? And, and, and God is going, I mean, I can, this is me. God, tell me what's happening. He goes, you wouldn't listen anyway. I mean, it's, I read the Bible. It's there. I'm telling you, it's black and white. It's really clear. Well, God, I don't like what I'm reading. I want something else to happen. And he goes, God goes, that's your problem. Because I'm telling you exactly what is happening. <laughs> we talked about saying the Lord's Prayer last week. He said, Our Father, Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He said, Holy be your name. You know, not holy, you know, because of what Wallace thinks. He goes, Now, you see what I'm saying? And so. But anyway, this verse is, so you, this, this rejection of the word is not just people turning away. It is God removing it from their sphere. And he is allowing them to what they desire. He's giving them over to their sin. And that's what Romans chapter 1 talks about. When he talks about the progression of sin, he says they don't sin and fall away. <laughs> they sin, and God gives them over to more sin. And then they do that. Then God gives them over. And that's the word he used. He gives them, oh, poor people fell away if they just knew. No, they take a step into the sin, and God gives them over. And to a point when you stay here, he goes to the point, he just withdraws his word. And that means there no protection. Amen? This is what I'm saying. So God is giving us some insight here. Now, so <laughs> the reach. So the rejection of the word will result in the withdrawal of the word from the unbelieving. But again, however, in these times, in these times, because this is what he's doing, you know, this is what he's doing. In these times, God will touch a remnant. He's going to touch a remnant of people all through, which is church be full of the remnant but he's going to touch a remnant of people who've kept their eyes focused on him and he's going to touch those people and empower this as he pours the word out from the unbelieving he's going to pour it out upon the remnant you know with me that's what he's going to do he's god is working here and and again, the remnant, like Amos in the early church, will not be made up of the famous, but it's going to be made up of the faithful who receive and have the Holy Spirit. It's the faithful. Not the famous. It's the faithful. And the faithful and who have the power of the Holy Spirit working in them. Now, there's something, all three of these guys, and they're from all over the map, but they use the same terminology. Some of it more dramatic than others, but they'll say, it's a move of the Spirit. It's a move of the Spirit. So I think, okay, I put this together. There's a withdrawing of the Word from the under, and then there's a move of the Spirit to the remnant. That's what's happening. That's what's happening. So we should be like, well, hallelujah. Not that he pulled back the word from the book, but hallelujah, because he's pouring it out on the church. But the church 
needs to understand what's going on. You know, it's like, you know, it's... <laughs> You know, like a baseball player, you know, you got your catcher there and he's already stuff and he's ready and they're going to fire this ball. Here it's coming. This is God's work, you know. And the guy just leans back, puts his glove under his arm, just sits there. And the fastballs just go by his head. So we have a responsibility to understand what game we're in and what we're doing so that we're ready, crouched, and have our catcher's men up and paying attention because the ball's coming. Ball... We're not discussing whether the ball is coming. The ball is coming. The discussion is that we need to be ready to catch the ball. Some of us say, well, I'm just praying. I hope they throw the ball, and I hope this, and I hope... No, the ball's coming. The ball's coming. Jesus, I mean, I think, and this is my mind, I just see Jesus on the mount, wound up, and the one leg's up by his shoulder, and it's back here. And that's where it's coming. It's coming. So, so this is what we see with the, this remnant, and uh, it, and so and and, and is so we know it's not the famous. This is a crass roots. Now the turmoil, and this is so important. The turmoil of the world should not concern us. The turmoil of the world is proof God's moving. You know, like the guy winds up and he's going to throw the baseball. He's winding up. Oh, my God, it's all over. You know, it's like, it's come, it's, everything's over. No. We see it and we got the equipment and we're saying, come on, we got this. So you look at this picture. You wind it up, throw this ball. Oh, my God, he's going to hit me right in the head with it. I don't have anything. I don't know he's doing i don't even know why i'm here you know well then that's a weak lukewarm church but the one who sees the bit he's excited we're excited about when he winds up you see the difference but it's us the pitch is coming okay now there's no doubt about that in scripture now so so here's a and, and here's a great view of god's view of the world now his view, God's view of us is really good. I mean, our view of ourselves is not good, but his view of us is really good. But here's God's view of the world. And this verse in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 13, if you want to turn there, it's just a nice verse to know sometimes. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 13. And, and even in Habakkuk, it's talking about this future move of God. I mean, Amos is talking about it, but Habakkuk's talking about too but different things mostly do with israel but habakkuk 2 13 has not the lord almighty determined now, this will pause it hasn't he de- he's already told you has not the lord he's determined well is this guy really going to pitch the ball and i don't know if he's no the thing's coming he's determined it see we know that. Has not the Lord Almighty determined that the people's labor is only fuel for the fire? That the nations exhaust themselves for nothing? Now, that's the way God looks at it. And obviously, like, you know, people say, oh my God, look what happening with, I'll just pick, Red China. You know, I don't know someone who's, oh, it's a big threat. Red China, you know, oh my God, you know, what are we going to do? Well, that's what we say. But you know what God says? 
he looks at that and says, wow, man, that's a huge bonfire. Oh, my God, you ain't seen a fire like this. This is just fuel for the fire. It's, it's not an issue. Do you see that? Red China is not an issue for God. It's not, it's, it's not an issue. There's just fuel for the fire. Well, what about this? What about just fuel for the fire. Well, they're getting away with this. They're getting away with this. Oh, not. Just fuel for the fire. God knows it. And by the way, who makes it fuel for the fire? God. See? What God is doing, he's just telling us he has it taken care of. That's all he's telling us. You know? And so there's no sense panicking over what God's going to burn up. You know? We like, you know, like, you, you, we're, we're like these junior high camps, you know, they build a big bonfire and we just run around it and scream, you know, it's, oh my God, you know, you're running around. No, it, it's not worth paying any attention to. It's not worth paying attention to. It's fuel for the fire. God's taking care of it. And when I say not worth it, we don't have to be afraid. God full well knows the nations and the unbelieving are fuel for the fire. Now, so when we look at this worldwide anti-Christian movement, it really is fuel for the fire. We just know what's happening. We know what's happening. It's fuel for the fire. And so I'll just summarize here a little bit. Now, this is commentary, and the reason I make a point, it's commentary. As I go through the scriptures, and, and I hope you know, as I see these things, I say, this, I really feel this is what the Lord is saying, and we stay close to the scriptures. And if anybody has a question, I say, well, just read what it says and see what the Lord's telling you, you know, because this is where we all get our information from, the scriptures. But when I give a commentary, it's kind of, well, this is what I kind of think, and this is my perception. And I don't know, may or may not be right. So this is commentary. I believe, I personally believe uh, that the next great move of God is going to be a grassroots movement of the least, the weakest, and the unknown. That's where it's coming from. We're not going to have this big, you know, you, you know, rider on the white horse to save Christianity. It's not what's going to happen. What we're going to see is a crash root of the least, the weakest, and the unknown. And God's going to move with those people. God's going to move with us. And that's how he's going to move. Now, I believe the coming of the Holy Spirit will be similar, much like what happened to Gideon in the book of Judges. I mean, if you want to know how is God going to motivate this Movement. I mean, if it's a grassroots movement of people, the least and unknown, well, God's got to do that. You don't have a leader blowing a bugle. You've got God moving among his people. And it's like, well, God, how are you going to do that? And I think Gideon gives us a good picture of that. And again, I've already said, Gideon goes, God. He says, Gideon, I want you to do this. God, I can't do that. I'm the least. I'm the weakest. Everybody knows I'm the least. Everybody knows I'm the weakest. And that was his assessment. He had died. But what happened, just like Amos, just like the disciples, God chose Gideon. What made Gideon different? Really what makes us different? Touchness. 
All right? He's like, and I use my baseball. I hate that Adam's not here, and I'm using all these baseball analogies. He loves baseball. But it's like, whoa, this guy's winding up the pitch. You, you know, God, what, what are you going to do? And he says, I'm going to touch you, and you're going to be the catcher, and you're going to catch the ball. That's what God said. Now, that's what God did. The piece of it that I want to talk about is what are we going to do with it? I, I don't know to be a catcher. I, I don't want to be a catcher. I don't want to catch it. I don't want to be a part of it, you know. And I wish you wouldn't even tell me this guy's going to throw the ball. It's just I'm, I don't want to be a part of this confusion. Um, we have all that choice. But what I believe here, what Gideon did, <laughs> God says, I want you to be the catcher. And he stood up and says, all right, I'll be here and I'll receive I will receive that ball that I know is coming, this judgment that I know is coming. And again, just like Amos, just like the New Testament church, and I believe it's going to look something like Acts chapter 2, you know, when the coming of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's, going to be, it's not going to be the same thing, but it's going to be similar to, to that. But this is how I believe that each believer, each believer, God is going to touch deal worldwide with what's coming at them and this is going to be God's plan to counter every evil that is happening now again God does this we're available acknowledge it and step into it but he's the one who does it and we have this great picture with Gideon the least and the weakest and I want you to look at this a little not just half the verse but look at Judges 634 all my heart, I believe this is what's going to happen, and this is what we're going to see. God said, be ready. And it says, the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. That's what's going to happen. The Spirit of the Lord is going to clothe. Now put your name there. How does God move through the world? How does God will clothe? The Spirit of God will clothe his people. He's going to move among the faithful, those that stand strong, those that don't give up, and he's going to, the Spirit's going to clothe them. Now, the literal word, and I love this. I don't think I put it up there, but the literal word for this, this is what God's going to do. Now, here's the thing with, well, gosh, what do I do? You do <laughs> by getting in the game and know what's going on and be ready and get and contacts of what's happening and be part and part of the solution and not part of the problem. This verse literally means this, all right? The Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. It means the Holy Spirit put Gideon on like a suit of clothes. Process. Process that. The Holy Spirit put Gideon on like a suit of clothes. God goes, okay, I'm going to work right here and say, I want to use Wallace and XYZ. So I'm going to get Wallace and I'm going to put him, Holy Spirit said, so I'm going to put him on. Then all of a sudden, the Wallace steps out in power. Whose power? He, the Holy Spirit just put him on as a suit of clothes. It's all the Holy Spirit's power because I would submit to the Lord to put me on, put me on like a suit of clothes. Now take it back to the disciples. 
You go back to the disciples and the religious leaders, he goes, these are uneducated, common guys. And they're astonished. What are they doing? Peter, if anybody to pick, Peter's one of the worst, you know, witnesses in the world le- leading up to Jesus. You know, I mean, denying him three times. I mean, he just, one failure after another. And everybody, any theologian would tell you the same thing. But now here you got Peter specifically before them and confronting the leaders of Israel. What happened to Peter? The Holy Spirit put Peter on like a suit of clothes. And he walked in there and everybody's astonished because he's been with Jesus. Now, I'm just sharing. That's how it works. That's it. That's how. Well, I'm going to go home and I'm going to get the family together. We're going to suck it up and we're going to. Fine if you want to. But that's not what this is talking about. This is not what this is talking about. It is talking about our relationship with Christ and say, come, Lord Jesus, come. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Fill me, Holy Spirit. And I think it'd be fine. Oh, Holy Spirit, put me on like a suit of clothes. Because once, you know, you all got suits, you guys. You have a suit, and you came in here, and you have a suit, you're hanging on the back door, you know. And I, and I, don't, I don't mean to be too grit degrading, but guys, that's what we are. We're a suit hanging on the back door. That's the reason we get, heck, daylight to dark, you know. Maybe just a suit hanging on the back door. But when the Holy Spirit puts that suit on, then all of a sudden we have the full power of Christ. And we become powerful because of Christ. We're just the suit. We're just the suit. I know one of the people, well, actually, he was one of the, I know, he, he had a great <laughs> series he'd go through. He goes, the Holy Spirit is the hand and the glove. See, we're the glove. He says, the Holy Spirit's the hand and the glove. He'd use a pen. He's like a pen. He says, the Holy Spirit is the ink in the pen. See, the Holy Spirit's hand in the glove, ink in the pen, gas in the car. The Holy Spirit makes the man in the suit. The Holy Spirit puts on the suit. We're the suit. He's the power. Now, you know those little you know exaggerations, but what I'm saying is you process this as you process this is what it's saying. And this is what those guys were talking about. And this is how God will move. God will move. And that's how a grassroots movement takes place. A grassroots movement is not me. If I was a super charismatic speaker, which I am not, but just say I was for a minute and just get you all fired up and we get something and we go and we start this movement. Okay. That's not what this talking about. In fact, that would be a key for you right there to know that that is not the move of God. See? Because the grassroots movement is a move of the Holy Spirit when He puts us on like a suit and then we move forward. That's how it's going to work, and that's what it's going to look like. Don't worry about the world. 
God, he said, I got a bunch of I, can, I got suits. I made my closet full of suits. I just start putting them on. I'm putting them on. But I need to have people. I, have, I need to have people that are asking, say, God, I'm the empty suit, God. Put me on. Put me on, God, please. Now, I'll wrap this up real quick. And I want to drive this home because this is so, this is not something unusual. Well, I've never seen something like that. That's a, no, this is not unusual. Listen to me. This is normal Christian entity. This is how God works. Well, he's not working that way. Okay, well, then he's not working. But him not working <laughs> is abnormal. Him not working is abnormal. Normal Christianity is him to put you on like a suit and then move through you to do what he wants. And that's where the grassroots movement, it's natural Christianity for that to work. And also, I'll tell you something else. This is me, kind of a commentary. You don't have to go any place to find this. Oh, we have a great conference. Wexler, say, go there and let's experience Christ. That's not what this is talking about. Christ puts you on like a suit where you're standing at that moment. You don't go any place. You don't have to go any place for this. You know with me? It's grassroots. There's somebody famous speaking. I mean, that would be an indication right off the bat. That ain't it. I mean, if you want to go listen to him, that's fine. But that ain't it because that's not what God's going to do. That's not what God's going to do. Now, the Holy Spirit feels we are, and I told you last week, shared with you, let's share directly and immediately. And, and this is what I mean. It's like you come up, and here's the situation. You don't know what to do. I think I, we need to go to a conference next week. And figure out what to do. You know, oh, my God, we don't know what to do. I want to call Wallace. And I'm, the first thing I'll say, what would you call me for? I don't know. Yeah. See, it's like, no, you come and you're in that situation. Oh, dear God, fill me. And it happens immediately and directly. And you will have what you need to say at that moment, at that time. I've had people and I've said this, well, well I don't have anything to say. be a perfect time to keep your mouth shut. You know, because he'll give you something to say when it's time something to say. You all with me? It's immediate and direct. I'm going to say it again. This is normal Christianity. This is normal Christianity. This is biblical Christianity. And this Christianity is between you and Jesus and the filling of the Holy Spirit. has nothing to do with anyone else in the universe. It's you and the Lord. I'll be filled with the Spirit when my kids behave. <laughs> and work that way. You're filled with the Spirit. Right now, come Lord, you fill me. It's not ever outside circumstances. Never outside circumstances. Never be concerned about the world situation. Pay attention. It's like, hmm, time's getting close. Okay, so I'm, you know, I think the picture's winding up. He's fixing to let this room. I'm ready, but I'm, I'm not worried, though. I'm not worried. Now, so we wrap it up with this. And it just said, you know, we stand firmly on our faith with Jesus Christ and the Word of God. Stand on our faith with Jesus Christ, Word of God. That's what we do. And then we say, come, Holy Spirit, come. And we close with this, Acts 
There is salvation in no one else but Jesus, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And then we say, come Holy Spirit, come. That's it. Simple. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your goodness and your love. And God, I pray, I really pray, God, that each person would be encouraged in you, not in our weaknesses, not in our failure, not in our lack of understanding, but encouraged in you. You say, this is what I will do. Trust me, test me in this. Step out with me in this, and I'll show myself truthful, and I'll show myself powerful. And I pray right now, God, just the Holy Spirit to fall on each person here, just to encourage them with a word, encourage us with, with a word, that you are powerful, you have everything under control, and, and your plan is us. And we thank you for that in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen, amen. And we don't have any music at the end, because Greg has went in the back, and Adam is in Minnesota, you know, it's, that's his, um, I'm, I'm a, see when you leave, I can make fun of you, I just like, Adam has,